Okay, Blake, I've been working on some jingles for our new website launch. So I've got churchy, churchy, church, church dear. Toby, what have I told you about singing on the podcast? It doesn't work. But you know what is working? Our new website. You can actually get it to load on your phone. You can actually buy a new piece of gear without your phone bursting into flames. Well, what if I spelled it out like C-H-U-R-C-G-E-R? Toby, Toby, stop. That is not working. But you know what is working? The search bar on our website. You can actually search speakers and speakers will appear. No joke, that didn't always work. Okay, what if I just did something like go to churchgear.com? Uh, you know what? That one works. Blake, you're fired. What's our severance policy at Church Gear again? Welcome to the Church Gear Podcast, where we pull the tech out of the booth and onto the stage to share the most outlandish stories and hidden wisdom from the tech trenches. And now, here are your hosts. I'm your host, Blake Hodges, and I hold the Guinness World Record for the most firings from a single workplace. And I'm here with my boss, a man who always has his stove set to 500 at all times in case he needs to fire someone, Toby Walters. <laughs> you know you can't set your stove to 500, you set your oven to 500. There's a difference between <laughs> a stove and an oven. <laughs> no, those are the same thing. You gotta be kidding me, dude. No, this is, what do you do? What is a stove then? A stove is where you like, you set the pan on there and you, you know, oh my scramble gosh. your eggs on there. Okay. But if you're going to bake a cake, you put it into the oven. <laughs> so now, you know, it was much better firing them, putting them in the oven. Oh than my gosh. You're pressing your face. You're fired for being so dumb. <laughs> okay. Okay. Oh, Blake. So uh, once upon a time, I was fired. You remember the story? I was a worship pastor in Texas. And basically, I got called into the pastor's office one day after church and he and I'm exaggerating a, a little bit, but basically this is how it rolled out. He basically introduced me to my replacement. Did and he have the stove running when he did? <laughs> Essentially, he put my face right right on the oven. <laughs> mm. And how did that go for you? Uh, you know, always our knee-jerk reactions when we are trying to defend our pride is, uh, is one thing, but uh, God very quickly just sort of released me from that. The and this is a common story that we hear on this podcast in that, you know, new pastor comes in, there's kind of a different vision, a different direction that they're going, the culture and the the style. And for me, I was just not super interested in that direction they were going. So it was almost like God saying like, hey, don't worry about this. You wanted this anyways, and we'll, we'll get you taken care of. So that new pastor wanted you to actually work, huh? That was pretty I, tough. I know. That was very disappointing for me. So uh, began the... Uh, I mean, it's really the only season of my life where I did a job search because otherwise I just sort of made up my own jobs. You know, I had so many of them. That's very true. The road to church gear was uh, a path of many, 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 many entre uh, enterprises for Toby Walters. Yeah. And so I was ultimately looking for what I thought a full-time worship pastor position at the time. And so I interviewed at lots of them. Uh, you'd be shocked, Blake, but churches are always hiring. Well, it's probably because they're always burning people out. <laughs> they're putting too many people on the stove, and now they got to hire more people. That's right. So I applied and interviewed at, I'm, I don't know, like dozens of churches, literally. Oh, really? And I mean, you remember the story of me uh, interviewing with Willow Creek the day my wife was giving birth? Yeah, I don't think she was a fan of that. No, and I mean, first of all, she's like, I am giving birth to your child right now. And secondly, if you want to move me to the cold tundras of Chicago, just, you know, rip my heart out right here. Well, it would have been convenient, I mean, because she's on the operating table if they needed to take her that's, heart out. That's a good point. It's a good place. This is getting gruesome. Yes. So, uh... 
you sounds know, like trying to find a job is hard. After a lot of stops and starts, I thought like, well, maybe there's a, a ministry partner out there that could could help me with this. And so I, I stumbled upon uh, this company, and the, what they do is they, you know, for we'll let our guest explain this better, but they, you know, pair churches and qualified candidates together in ministry positions. And so I submitted my name on their website and the uh, co-owner of the company called me up like an hour later and said, Toby, I just got your, you know, resume and listen to your music. And he's like, man, I'm so excited. We have so many churches that we could possibly, you know, get you interviews at and think could be a great fit. Uh, the first one's in Minneapolis, Oh man. And and strike one? I mean, do these people not know that cold weather does not feel good? I don't know how people live in the cold, I got to be honest. And so that was one uh another one was Bayside Church. I could have been one of our many many guests that, you know, has ties to Bayside Church. That didn't quite work out. Um they sent me on on several interviews and uh the Coners they they lived out in Southern California and at this point I lived in Austin, Texas. But you know that my family's in Southern California, right. so we go out there regularly. So we go out to visit over summer, and I, I say to them, hey, I'm going to be in town. I would love to just connect in person. And they say, awesome. And so I said, hey, I'm going to bring my wife with me. And they said, that's great. We'd love to meet her too. So Blake, you've met my wife. Yeah, yeah. It's probably like the best woman God ever made. Yeah. And he had to do that to handle you. Agreed. So we were sitting on uh, Monty, the uh, coner, and we're sitting on his back deck. Did you say the coner? Co-owner. With the co-owner. Co-owner. Okay. Okay. You said you're sitting on the coner. <laughs> you're sitting <laughs> on the corner. Okay. So we're sitting, and he lived in San Clemente at the time, up on the hills overlooking the Pacific Ocean. It was one of the most beautiful places I've ever sat so in my life. They're from doing real good. <laughs> Monty's made some wise decisions in his life. So we're sitting there and he, you know, he's talked to me for months now. He's sent me in job interviews, but this is his first time meeting Shelly. And so after 20, 30 minutes, he looks at me and he says, Toby, I'm going to just be honest right now. You need to bring her with you on interviews if you ever have a hope of getting any of these jobs. Oh, man. <laughs> when the recruiter whose product to sell is you says that, that's a brutal punch. How mm -hmm. did you take that? How'd your ego feel? I... I was so used to it at that point in my life because I'd been married to her for six or seven years at that point. It's it's hard being married to a great woman because everyone just points it out all the time. I know. I get it. Well, you know, someone else who's married to a great woman, introducing the president and CEO of Slingshot Group, Tim Foote. Tim, welcome to the show, man. Great to be on the podcast. I have so many comments that I have wanted to make. <laughs> during that intro this has been this has been this has been a lesson in i don't know silence and patience to want to weigh in on gas ovens versus electric ovens <laughs> to weigh in on uh geographical locations in the country like cold denver that i am coming to you from today and uh monty sitting in his house in, in on his kona in uh in san clemente I, I do have to say that he was a worship arts leader in that area, which is why he was living in San Clemente and the house was a rented house. This ah, is true. So okay. it's, it's, it's helpful for you to know that. When we're not living high off the hog, uh, connecting leaders with, with churches. Is high on the hog an American saying? Yes. Uh, yeah. I think we eat so much work here, we get pretty high on it. So. <laughs> All right. Okay, gotcha. And anyway, I think just, 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 
Just wanted to respond to all of those things. And I think putting Monty on trial is very fair for this podcast. So we can judge. We're not judging <laughs> you, Tim. We're judging Monty. That's it. He, he's not here to defend himself. And he's a great guy, <laughs> as you know, Toby. He sure is. I want to be Monty <laughs> when I grow up. That's my life. But, and, he, and he lives down the road from you now. Mm-hmm. Oh, sure my does. gosh. You're This guy's going to come get us. We usually talk not, crap about not, people who live far Not away. in a rented house. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, that's great. Um, Tim... Appreciate the appreciate the silence. Uh, I know it's difficult to. I, I myself love to comment on things, so uh, especially when you're listening to two idiots just <laughs> speak in buffoonery for you know several minutes in a row. You're not. Oh, lying. I'm in it now. I'm ready to. I'm ready to comment on everything you want me to comment on. Perfect. That is very convenient for a podcast. All right. So number one was born and raised in Tasmania. And you never like preview this segment anymore. You just go in. You just jump in. Do all, right. all our listeners know what we're doing I, here? We're going to do Five Truths and a Lie with Tim Foote here. He's going to try to fool us. Uh, we're going to try to guess. And uh, I'm keeping track for the year. So let's see who wins. The okay. guest. There is Tasmania. That's the question. Oh, gosh. It's for uh, many of your guests. Blake, I want to ask you that first. It's about 50 miles from the Kona. Uh, <laughs> All right, number two uh, was a presenter slash reporter on a national kids TV show. Hmm. I 100% believe that. Number three spent 12 years bivocationally in entertainment work. It's that's what we're doing right now, Blake. Is entertainment work? Is it? Number four uh, has been in ministry work for over 30 years. Number five. Oh, he cheated. He put seven in here. Number five. Family of four comes from three different continents. Number six. That's confusing. Yeah, right. I... You can't explain it too well, because then we'd know whether it's a lie or not. But, okay, go on. Number six. This is my favorite. Grandfather was knighted by the Queen of England. Dang. His uh, grandfather's Elton John? I'm surprised... <laughs> I'm surprised his grandfather... Or the Queen of England would go to our penal colony in Australia. Um, number seven. Had a short stint as one of the Wickles. <laughs> oh, my gosh. No. If that is true. Holy mackerel. Oh, this is so difficult, Tim. You've really... <laughs> I wanted to comment on all of these, but I'm not, I'm not saying a word. Uh, and he did cheat. He gave us seven, so our percentages go down. You know what? Well played, though. I didn't police that, so I know. he snuck it in. He got it. Oh, uh, I had a lot more. I had to stop myself. I'm going to say... Oh, man. You know what, Toby? Do you have a guess? I do. Oh, you, you're not going to... I thought he was going to give it. Okay, I'm going to say the lie was the uh, grandfather was knighted by the Queen of England. Well, dang it. I should have said it first. Take that, Toby. We have to, uh, we, we want to spread out our guesses, no. right? So we have a better shot. Well, yes, because I'd rather one of us win than the guest over the course of the year. All right, so well, let's... I'll guess the other crazy one. I'll guess that the lie is that he was one of the Wiggles. Okay, here we go. I think that, okay. Tim, we're locked in. You're locked in, and the winner is, drumroll, please. <laughs> Toby. Yes! Blake, (laughs) let me give you this. But have I ever been asked that my grandfather was knighted by the Queen? Never. But he was, in fact, Sir Geoffrey James Foote. And he was knighted in the Queen's 1986 New Year's Honours in Australia. My grandmother was Lady Molly. And she was a she was a maid in a house in her late teenage years and ended up being Lady Molly Foote. And uh, my great great, I'm fifth generation Tasmanian, which is, and T- Tasmania was indeed, Blake, you've done your homework, a penal colony. My great 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 grandfather came as a convict, and my grandfather was knighted by the Queen. 
for wow. services to the state. I have, however, been asked multiple times if I was one of the Wiggles because I did write <laughs> kids' songs in Australia and had a couple of cuts on the Australian uh, version of Sesame Street, see, which was called such Play inter- School. He's such an entertainer. I was like, I mm-hmm. could totally see him. See, I was thinking maybe he could be Blue Man Group. Oh, like so when the Wiggles were starting, I wrote a, a kids concept show with my songwriting partner that was later purchased by Warner Music. Didn't they didn't ever do anything with it? That's what labels sometimes do. <laughs> but it was at the time going to be the uh, the competition to the Wiggles. I'm so glad none of that ever happened. <laughs> and you, but I look great in a turtleneck. Do you often refer to yourself as the king of slingshot? Never. <laughs> Sir Slingshot? Sir Slingshot. (laughs) Not once ever. But it is a shame that that title does not pass down to the oldest son of each generation because I'm the son of the oldest son of my grandfather and I'm the oldest grandson. So I would have been, I would have gotten it. But that's not how knighthoods work. You have to earn them, which is a good thing. I think all those titles expire when the queen dies, though. So now you got to get the new queen to knight you, which would be Taylor Swift herself. And that's pretty (laughs) tough to find. It's Uh, a king now. You know about that, Blake? It doesn't count. Beyonce has a, a word for you on Taylor Swift being the queen. Mm, that's true. That's true. And didn't we agree that we can knight our guests on this show? Oh, I think we did. Yeah. Okay. We dub you Sir. It's not going to count. Sir Slingshot. <laughs> okay. It's not going to count. Okay. What? Man. I don't even know where we're I can just keep talking about this stuff for the next like 30 minutes, but that's not what you want to talk to me about. I know. Well, <sighs> we love to talk about all of it, truly. Um, so while you were well, ministry for thirty years, what was that? Like, like we're I mean, really so, getting into your background for Slingshot, but I mean that's kind of a good segue over there. Like, how did you do ministry yeah. for thirty years? So born, raised Tasmanian, moved to Sydney where I did my first ministry as a worship and creative arts pastor at a church in downtown Sydney. And uh, my tent making job was entertainment work. So I was I, I played piano bars and corporate functions in order to earn enough money to live in the city and do ministry. So I was bivocational, but in ministry for for just over nine years in my tenth year when I moved to become the worship arts pastor and on the exec team at a church in the Denver area, north side of Denver, Longmont, called LifeBridge, which is still home church, and I still get to be on the teaching team of that church while I run Slingshot Group. So that's a, a huge joy in my life to be still connected on a local level to a local staff while I get to do the work with Slingshot nationally. That's amazing. So that's 30 years. When you add it all up, that's over 30 years now because I'm getting old. So you're 31 is what you're saying? <laughs> yeah. Just over 30 saying. years old. So how old were you when you started Slingshot then? Started. I didn't start it. I, wa- I, wasn't, I wasn't one of the Konas. We uh. say co-founders. <laughs> co-founders. Co-founders. I actually, I actually uh, uh, I knew our co-founders, uh, Stan Endicott and Monty Kelso, before they started Slingshot. And when they did their email blast that they were doing this thing, I'm thinking – how's this ever going to work? And now I'm (laughs) dedicating my life to it. But when I joined not long after they started Slingshot, we were probably, there was probably five of us and a handful of search search and coaching engagements. And now there's 67 of us and we serve between three and 400 organizations a year. So there's been exponential growth. And we started just in the worship arts and production area. And now we serve all areas of the church and and nonprofit world, uh, ministry-minded nonprofits. So tell us just a little bit about what Slingshot does. I mean, not for me, because I was unhireable, but for hireable candidates and 
Greek Nobody's ministries out there. <laughs> Nobody's done it. So the 30,000 foot view is we build remarkable teams through staffing and coaching. And what that means is we bring health to the transition process. We help leaders get better. Uh, we want to place leaders in healthy situations. And so our kingdom first principle is to always help the organizations we work with uh, become healthier as far as their culture is concerned. So how can we help them develop leaders? How can we help where their church or organization be the kind of place leaders want to come and stay and continue to grow and we do that in all kinds of ways but you can trace every problem in a church environment back to a person or the need for a person and we love solving those problems the mm. giant problems of ministry right slingshot group <laughs> so you're like an hr detective basically who's the problem or where's the problem not getting filled <laughs> Yeah, maybe. I'm not sure about that. We should ask him. I mentioned Slingshot on a previous episode, and I said Slingshot sells people. (laughs) What I know. Hang on. (laughs) Like, so how accurate is that? Because I mean, y'all's product is you sell to churches like great leaders. That's what I meant. I mean, obviously, we're not indentured servitude here, but like, that's kind of what y'all do. Well, we fulfill a need. And we end up being translators. We translate the value of the opportunity to potential leaders, and then we translate the value of the leader to the potential opportunity, if that makes sense. And that's just in the staffing part. I mean, we do lots of coaching and development work as well. But when it comes to staffing, we connect those dots and bring health to that to, to that transition process. And so as we've done this podcast, are we closing in on a year, Blake? Oh, it's going to be a year and another month. Whew, scary. Wow. So, I mean, how many times have we had guests on just talking about I mean, staffing is a big word, but we're talking about, you know, just a lack of leadership, a lack of culture, a lack of relationship, Mm -hmm. and church techs just falling by the wayside. And so uh, talk to us and study your 30,000-foot view of the current climate of church techs in, uh, you know, at least in the American Christian church. Uh, Is there a huge need right now um, on either side? Uh, there's absolutely a huge need. And I think that uh, the last couple of years and what we've experienced in our world and our nation has has catapulted forward the need for techs in churches to to uh, scale the message of of uh, and the mission of any given local church. And the the the, the influence that techs uh, in all different roles are stewarding is huge. So part of what we do is, is educate the churches we work with around the importance of this position. And so it's, is it, is, is it in a healthy place? I think there's a, a, a rising awareness of the need for health in that area, but I think there's still a long way to go. Yeah, it seems like <clears throat> sometimes the pastor has to be, I mean, educated sounds like, well, he's unaware. We don't know what we don't know, and he doesn't realize just mm. how much every single thing he wants to have happen relies right. on the tech. Like, mm. it blows my mind when I hear there are churches without a church tech. I'm like, how does it even mm. go? That sounds like having a car without the gas. And mm. uh, the the production department, the tech department, um, it's felt historically like a department that church leaders don't imagine there is any pastoral presence in. Right. You know, any other, like, children's pastor, youth pastor, small group pastor, church tech. Mm-hmm. And do you really feel like churches are realizing that they need pastoral leaders in these roles now because what they're asking them to do is way bigger than has ever been asked before. Yeah. Some churches are, Toby, and some churches are still learning that. I think that when we suddenly had to become studios overnight, 
mm. uh, when, when churches were shut down, I think that was helpful and hurtful. I think it was helpful in that, oh, gosh, we should have given attention to this. And and we all know that the churches that already were were the ones that thrived during that time. But then also because of the emergency fire drill, what well, was no fire drill, it was a fire. The nature of that whole situation caused us to just fill holes and fill roles. And it's so much more than that because I'm sure you talk about this on the podcast all the time. It comes with it comes with mission-minded people. It comes with the need for vision and direction. It comes with the need for team building and pastoral care and all of those things. I think people are backfilling in that res- in that respect now. But that's why I believe coaching has become so important in this arena is because we need to uh, resource tech leaders in a way that helps them grow in the areas that that the soft skills that they need to develop to have a healthy tech department. So have you seen churches start to finally prioritize the techs in the sense of, all right, we're going to hire, you know, more than just one tech. We need a couple techs. We need to pay them this rather than thinking we can just get them for that. Like, have you, have you seen a an awakening, a uh, epiphany of churches on just how important it is from from what's happened over the past couple of years. The answer is yes, we are. But also, is there is there much more growth needed? Absolutely. And do you find yourselves in a lot of? Uh, I mean, maybe some are frustrating, but uh, you get used to them at some point. Just trying to educate churches on, you know, uh, his, you're still thinking historically about production leaders. And you're now asking your production team to do this. So you're going to have to bring your expectations for this role and for the paycheck that you're going to have to get this person up to current mm-hmm. standards as well. Are you having a lot of those conversations with churches? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, we, we will get inquiries around uh, searches for production leaders. And when we get on the, the, the discovery call, we find that we have to do a lot of contextualization and say, yeah, you're going to need to pay more for what you need and you're going to have to relook at that job description and we can absolutely help you do that to work out what skills you need to add to that because there's a lot on here. There's a lot that's not on here that you're going to need. And what percentage, I know it's just a really rough guess, but like what percentage of churches are willing to hear that and then start to adjust? And what percentage are learning the hard way that they're going to have to do it. I would say uh, it, it's a growing percentage, but I would say once they got on a call for with us, we're, we're c- approaching the 50%. Yeah, he's already but pre-qualified they, them, yeah, to be like, these are churches that are ready to make some growth and some change. And, and, and they've prioritized the need to reach out to a group like us to say, hey, we need the right person in this role. I mean, seriously, the... When you get on a call like that and you can say, do you realize what this potential leader is holding and how they can scale the the mission and message of your church? When you think about the people that hear this that are physically in the room and then uh, how that can uh, multiply online, I mean, it's you just contextualize that with the right decision maker in the church and you can get them to start thinking thinking seriously about putting resources behind this this uh, uh, position. And if you imagine, uh, so to speak, two buckets, where in one bucket you have good, healthy churches looking for a great production leader, and in the other bucket you have great production leaders looking for a church, which one is holding more water right now? Which one is there a lot more of? 
I would say that, that we're, I would say the church looking for a healthy production leader is probably eking out the other right now, just because we know that there's a candidate crisis. You know, I always say the work we do is harder than it has ever been, and we are, have never been more committed to the to the mission of the work that we do, uh, because we have to mine out these candidates, and we're often taking them from the marketplace into church world because we've seen a lot of people dumping out of church, and when we bring them from the marketplace, there's obviously going to need to be a prioritization around around salary because, but there's also going to be a sacrifice on behalf of the candidate because most churches aren't going to be able to pay what they could make in the marketplace. Wow. That's got to be so tough to convince. I mean, how does that conversation even go when you're talking to a candidate and you're like, (laughs) how would you like to be paid less (laughs) and probably have more stress and emotional damage? (laughs) Well, we also know that marketplace isn't that fun. Mm. either but there was a time too and you know i think it's shifted around coming out of the last couple of years but there was a time when when we weren't necessarily focusing on the right thing we were focusing too much in church world on the people we were leading rather than on the people we were leading with and we absolutely have to focus on the mission and the people that we're we're bringing to christ but we can't neglect those that we're locking arms with to do it and we were seeing people dumping out of ministry and taking marketplace jobs just to refresh and recover now i think it's i, I think it's a little different now in this cultural moment because I, I i believe that marketplace was revealed during pandemic years as well and people have been dumping out of that for for better quality of life and for a, a mission that's that's worth something they want to invest their lives in, in in something so those are the conversations we'll have with those potential candidates is hey you get to invest in a mission here and then we're having creative conversations with the church leaders to say there are things you can do creatively here that look after a candidate's holistic view of life that will convince them to come join you. And then there's the Holy Spirit piece. I mean, this is holy work we get to do. God works in it and God calls people to to. Let's like Toby, when you joke around, I'm unhirable. And I know you don't believe that. Maybe you do. We don't believe that. <laughs> God's got a place. But also when you talked about the day you walked into uh, the XP's office and he introduced you to your replacement, God was writing a bigger story that was no surprise to him. And I think one of the things I love most about the work we get to do is to be a part of the stories that he's already writing. So when you're having these conversations, how do you help a, a church tech director decide if they should leave or uh, if they should leave a job and take the one they're searching for? I mean, changing jobs is a, is a big decision. Like, how do you help them think through that process as they're they're contemplating such a big jump? I mean, we one of we've got several values that we operate and we, and we we live by it slingshot. And the first value is spirit led. So we will always say to this leader who's considering a move, do you feel in your prayer life, in your devotional life, that God is releasing you from where you are yet? Because if if you haven't got that release inside, you're missing out on something that he's teaching you in this season. So we'll have, I mean, we see our work as absolutely 100% ministry and all our people um, are, are pastors or have been pastors in, in vibrant ministry situations in their area of expertise. And so whenever we connect with a, a leader or a candidate, we're pastoring them in that moment to say, what's God telling you? 
And maybe you need to go away for 90 days and share this with some trusted people, keep the t- circles tight and, and fast a day a week and seek God and, and see if, if this is being confirmed in your life and journey. The last thing we want to do is take people out of vibrant ministry situations and hurt the church. That's not going to help anybody. Uh, but also where we're very tuned in to the difference between a dysfunctional situation and a toxic situation. Ooh, what's and the difference we- there? Well, dysfunction can be coached. Toxicity uh, often can't be touched without major change in leadership. And we always want to be really careful with that and, and steward our sense of that well, if that makes sense. If we feel that somebody's in a toxic situation, they need to get out for their own health, then we're going we're gonna to call it the way that we see it. And is... Uh... Uh, Slingshot Group, is that something you guys are doing uh, outside of candidate searches, like churches that you partner with? Will you just go in as, you know, healthy culture consultants and just help them develop their culture outside of candidate searches? Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, that's always been a part of what we've been about. We want to make every organization that we touch or partner with better. And uh, we, we want to earn the right to speak into anything we see and, and, and bring health and help people find work, joy, and love what they do because we believe that, that Christ wants us to know life in all its fullness, especially when we're ser- serving on the front lines of ministry. Is it going to be hard? Absolutely. But we want it to be rewarding. And so uh, often when we engage with the church uh, to, to find them a person, we'll develop what we call a trusted partnership and we'll continue to speak into ministry. We'll coach leaders. We'll come in and coach entire staffs and, and, and we'll do everything we can to help them uh, continue to grow in a healthy way. And are there any places, so if, if you had a potential candidate call you up and said, Hey, I'm at this church. I'm I'm thinking of jumping ship. It's just kind of not a healthy culture here, um, leadership style, whatever it is. Um, are there sort of like your top three bullet points that you say? Well, these are where we always start our, you know, church partners out. Let's look at these three things first. So, what's just some wisdom that you could speak into these tech directors that are just struggling with their their culture? Firstly, I would say take a take a hard look at yourself. Because you always want to learn about you in these situations and to ask, is there more that I can learn here? Is there more that I can I can bring to this situation to, to help it be healthy? Or do or, or do I need to start operating in a way that helps me be healthy and see how it affects the environment that I'm in? That's often coaching advice I'll give to a leader who's saying, I'm just burning out. So I'll say, well, some of that's on you. And so you need to make a list of, okay, how do I need to operate differently so I don't burn out? And if you start operating in that way and there's major tension that you're not doing your job, then that's probably not a place for you to be, if that makes sense. If you can't operate in a way that's healthy for you personally and still do your job, then you probably shouldn't be there. But you want to take a good hard look at yourself and and work out, okay, am I built for ministry or am I just going to transfer this to my next place? 
and also be honest with your supervisor and your leader. And um, there might be people listening today that, that will be saying, oh, I've had so many conversations and, and maybe that's telling, but you want to be honest and say, okay, here's my last 10% of what I'm feeling in this particular role. Can you please give me, and I'm talking to your supervisor, can you please give me your last 10% about me because I want to learn and grow better. And I would say 75% of those conversations actually lead to healthier ministry. Wow. I'm not sure. Did I answer your question? Yes, tremendously. So we've we've had a we've had what was it? Lee Fields said just have those hard conversations. List those out, mm-hmm. go have them. Mm-hmm. Sometimes do you ever have moments where you're um you're having to coach someone up from one church to another church? Because that feels like it would be even more of a like what this church A is trying to hire. There's a candidate at church B. I mean, how do you even handle that situation? That feels very very difficult. Contextualize that. If we're working with both churches or if they're having to step up in their skill level. Let's say church A was trying to hire a tech director and you find that that tech director, but he's at a different church. How does that go? Because now, I mean, you're having to go through even more Well, it depends. If, yeah, we'll, we will coach them in how to have that conversation in a God-honoring way. It's because it's, often people will say, well, if I tell my supervisor that I'm looking, I'm fired. And at some point, God might be actually asking you to take that step of faith and, and trust in his provision because he's not going to he's not going to leave you in the middle of that. And it's better to do the, the it's it's better to operate with integrity than fear. Mm-hmm. And, and often people will operate in fear and they won't trust in God's provision. If they're feeling released from a from a situation, they've prayed it through and feel that is from the Lord, then he's going to look after them in the interim. And so we'll always coach our potential our potential leaders and candidates to have the conversations and also to bring their supervisor into the circle to say, hey, look, I'm, I'm, I'm exploring. I haven't told a bunch of people this, so don't tell a bunch of people that before you tell your supervisor. The circle is very small. I just want to get a sense of whether I need to stay here long term and be more invested or whether God has something else for me and I'm inviting you in that circle to pray about that with me and then realize if if that if if they do let you go then that wasn't the place for you to be and got and there's a lot of places looking for tech leaders right now and so we're going to encourage anybody to to do that with integrity now there are situations because we've grown so big we're working with both churches oh wow <laughs> now that's when it gets that's when it gets really sensitive because we don't poach we don't want to upset vibrant ministry, period. But we might be partnering with both churches. Now we have policies around that to protect the integrity of slingshot. And that is that is that, you know, if we've worked with or partnered with this church in the last three years anyway, then that leader needs to go to their supervisor and seek their blessing. And we will walk alongside them in that and counsel them on how to do that in a healthy, in a healthy way, God honoring way. So Blake, it's kind of like when you uh, went to work for Philo that one day, oh, and yeah. then you just posted about on social media instead of coming to me and saying like, "Hey, I'm considering leaving you for Todd Elliott." I mean, maybe maybe Tim could have actually coached you on that moment. Well, you know, I got to say, I'll throw all my morals out if Todd gives me a call, whatever he needs. <laughs> it's just impossible to tell the guy no. Uh, and he traded me back to you for a fifth round draft pick, so I mean, it That's all worked true. out. Yeah, see, Todd's such a good guy. <laughs> Love that guy. Um, man, yeah. it's just the the amount of things I want to ask Tim right now are just infinite because there's, there's so another many situations yeah. he deals with. 
the question I thought you were going to ask was, what if you're, you got a draft pick and you're putting them into a bigger role, like somebody coming from a church of 500 or a church of 3,000. And we're seeing that a lot right now because of the Canada crisis. And so we're needing to, to, uh, to educate and help churches to remember that leaders are built, not bought. And they'll say, well, hang on a second, we're paying you. Yeah, well, you're, <laughs> you're paying us for, for a service. To, to, to do the work that you don't have time to do. You're paying us to lose sleep about this role so you don't have to, so we're doing the national search. But leaders need to be built into, and often it's better to have the leader that comes from a 500-member church to a 2,000 rather than the leader that's coming from a 5,000-member church to a 2,000 because often the leader coming from the 5,000-member church runs all the same plays they ran at the 5,000-member church. Whereas you get somebody eager to learn, who wants to grow in your culture, who wants to work hard and succeed in this bigger environment, sometimes that's the draft pick. We call it, we call it the David in the field. Now, we would have never thought David was going to be king. Well, you know, a church probably wouldn't have hired Matt Redman when he was 19. Mm. Everybody probably wants him now. So it's like you've you've got to, it's all about development in today's day and age. And that's what the church should be about. Are you just imagining yourself right now, Blake, as David in the field? I am. I'm looking right at it. I'm in my field, this room. <laughs> we, we we used to be recording in random tables and random basements. <laughs> so at least we got there the you room. are. So, oh man, uh, Tim, do you have any, uh, I'm going totally off script at this point because I'm just fascinated. Do you have any um resources that you use when you're walking alongside that tech director? Because I bet there's a lot of tech directors right now here in this that are at a 300, 500, 800 person church. And they're thinking, can I make that jump? Like, is, mm. are, there, are there things that you give them along the way of, I don't know if that's trainings or books or whatever, that's just like, hey, this will help develop you, get you ready for that giant jump. Like when they're trying to make that jump, you know, and they're stretching to, to do it, yeah. what's the stuff you're telling them to stretch with? So we have a ton of partnerships, strategic relationships with other groups that have resources, obviously, and you've had them all on the podcast. And so we, we're not about reinventing the wheel, but we do have tech leaders on our team that walk alongside tech directors and, and, and techs of any kind and coach them along the way skill-wise. But again, I'll go back to the soft skills. Like we have coaches throughout all throughout our organization that are going to come alongside uh, a tech or a leader in any role in the church and teach them more about how to uh, have better EQ, how to have better RQ, the kinds of things that the church doesn't even know to look for on a tech's resume, how to help them succeed in leading in both directions, how to ask the right questions, how to, how to do that each day, take a good hard look at themselves and their leadership. And then we're going to bring in other, I mean, if you have one of the people from our team that's, that's, that's been a tech director, they're going to bring the skills to the table. But if you've got a general coach who's teaching general leadership principles, we're going to pull in from all kinds of organizations and resources. And is there like a, a typical job search um, parameters that you almost tell like first timers to expect this. Like it, it usually takes at least this long. Here's some basic steps that it's going to feel like, or um, you got to sign over the rights to your firstborn child. <laughs> or is every search different? Every search is different, and candidates love to ask, "How long is this going to take?" 
And I'll always say it'll take as long as it needs to take. And God is writing multiple stories. He's doing multiple work in your journey, and he's doing lots of work in in the church's journey that's going to be hiring you. I mean, sometimes a search will take two months. We love those. Sometimes it can take over nine or ten months, and it's because the church wasn't ready and the candidate wasn't ready. And so it's it, it just all depends on the situation. Man, that's yeah. I I can think about uh, back to the times when I was praying to get get out of my past job, get get an, get another job. Church here wasn't even invented yet, so it's <laughs> sorry, Blake. Yeah. I worked as fast as I could. Well, it, Toby's not lying, actually. And uh, it's it's kind of like a marriage in that you want to take the time to. Uh, be with the person that God has planned for you rather than jump into the wrong marriage. Um, same thing with the church ministry. Like you want to take that time to make sure that God does what he wants in that search rather than just Absolutely. take a job and have to do it all over again. Absolutely. You want to be in the right place. You want to be sure of your calling. You want to be relational connected to, rela- relationally connected to the people that you're doing ministry in day in and day out, all of those things. Toby, this is your second reference on the podcast to work being a lot like a marriage. Are you going to get me a ring ever, or am I just going to keep you know waiting for that? I'm playing hard to get, Blake. Okay. Um, <laughs> you know, speaking of playing hard to get, um, for the tech director that's thinking the grass is always greener on the other side right now, and I don't, I don't mean to call them out because I mean, hey, on my bad days here, I'm thinking about it too. <laughs> what, what should they expect for like a typical? You just or, repeated my question. Hang on, hang Blake. on, hang on. I'm, I'm no, I'm, re, I'm redoing it though. So what should they expect when you talk to them and then they say, you know what, this actually is not the toxic workplace, it's dysfunction. And like, how often do you guys find yourself um, telling them like, this actually is a place you should stay? And like, how do you help them think through that? We definitely have those conversations and we know that the grass is not greener and we know that at any job there's going to be days you want to quit. That's why we'll always talk about calling and to pay attention to that because that's what keeps you in the job. You know, when somebody has a strong call to a place or the journey there is pretty crazy, I always say that the size of the calling equals the size of the task. Be ready. It's going to be a big task where you're heading. But we'll, we we ask a lot of questions. I mean, we're naturally curious at Slingshot. I've always been naturally curious. We're all about asking the right questions that reveal to us the situation that somebody's in. And we're going to call it out if we think they're just running. We'll say, hey, you got to realize that there's going to be a ton of challenges where you're going as well. And that's why we want this to be a spirit-led process first. Mm. Well, I think there is one place where the grass is greener. Uh, church gear? Uh, obviously. Well, it's yeah, bluer gear. here. <laughs> yeah, our colors it's are blue. green in California right now. I was there last week. I've never seen that place looking so green. Has it recovered from all of its tumultuous uh, weather Gosh, occurrences? Well, it's, it's green because, yeah, it's never seen rain in <laughs> thousand years. One of, our, one of our team members was there, and I was like watching the news, and I was like, is Jonah going to die in California? <laughs> like, I was legitimately he swam scared. his way home. He's okay. The whale picked him up, but I was concerned. I really was. <laughs> Seriously, I'm flying in. It looked like New Zealand. What? It's wild. It was so green. That's yeah. a high compliment. And uh, and we are hiring a technical director here at Church Gear. So uh, you know, not to use our own platform as a platform, but uh, but to use it as a platform. Yeah. So uh, for you, that, use everything you can. Candidate that and think about screenshot loves what we do and uh, feels called to serve churches all over the world and loves gear and is organized and can build a great team. Is that enough requirements for the most amazing human on the planet? How do you think he did? I mean, this isn't Blake's job. This isn't Blake's job, is it? Oh, no. 
Blake knows nothing about tech. No, as a someone at a conf or oh gosh, uh, give me their tag names. As someone at a, at the Philo uh, after party recently, you know, or no MXU after party, I forget. There was an event where someone said, "Don't you have someone at your company that gets paid to do nothing?" That's yeah, that was at the uh, Amplio Church Gear after party of the MXU event, and that's that's Blake. He gets paid to do nothing here. That's that's the perception of this job. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, Is it time for a game? I believe I'll be. I believe I'll be at Philo this year too, by the way. Ooh, so fun. I'll see you guys. Tim, we should get to know each other uh, in case I ever need to make an exit. <laughs> <laughs> Do a candidate search. We already decided the grass is not greener. I didn't say greener. I said if I get gear. if I get shot out of a cannon for real and need a place to land. That's a good point. So, uh, Tim, we got a little game prepared. Um, I, I put in I the show games. notes that uh, we'll do Australian trivia, but I decided let's do Tasmanian trivia. Let's just get specific with it. Oh, gosh. It's been a while <laughs> since let's, I let's was. Let's give him the ground I, rules. I was, there, I was actually there last fall, but it's been a while since I, it's been a long time since I lived there. Okay. Like we're talking 30 something years. Well, we're going to see how you do. The moment you I, think you have the answer, feel free to shout it out, just so you know. Yeah. Okay. So I'll ask a question. The first one to provide the correct or, or the closest answer gets the point. Okay. Okay. Question okay. one. How tall is Mount Wellington? I believe Mount Wellington, no, it's about a mile high. I honestly don't know who's closer. It's uh, 1,271 meters. You got yeah, three units so of not, measurement who on measures this thing, in right? meters. And, and this, is, this is how I know because uh, I say to people, and that's Mount Wellington is my hometown. So it's called Hobart and it sits at the base of Mount Wellington He's on the water. It. Yeah. And uh, I always say to people, the altitude that I live at, in Longmont, which is on the north side of Denver, is like living on the top of Mount Wellington. Mm. So I believe I'm co- pretty much correct. Okay, we'll give him the point. I, I feel very confident in giving him the point. <laughs> my point. It's my point. I'm taking it. Okay, question two. What was Tasmania first settled as? Birthplace Come of the Tasmanian on, devil. Wait, I didn't hear you, Tim. Van Diemen's Land. I mean, Tim's probably correct, but what I have is a British penal colony. Oh, oh, come on. I'm giving you the name. I yeah. went the extra mile. Tim's the extra the, mile the of the mountain. Kilometer. Isn't there a U2 song called Van Diemen's Land? Uh, yeah, maybe. I maybe. think they refer yeah. to it, maybe. But yeah, it was called Van Diemen's Land. Okay, two points for Tim. That's Thank how it you. goes around. I did get two points. But yeah, it was a penal colony. You already said it, Blake, earlier in the... I jinxed yeah. my own self. I know. You should have saved that. I did. All right, no. next question. In what year did Port Arthur close as a prison? 1856. Gosh, this will be a guess. I know a lot about Port Arthur stuff, sad stuff about Port Arthur, but I don't know what year it. So I'm, I'm going to guess that it closed. 1820. Oh, Blake, you got it. It's 1877. See, history oh. is always slow to learn. So yeah. I figured it would be just I'm still north. Winning. Just north of what was painful. Okay, I'm obviously. still winning. Yep, I learned something today. Though. Two to one. Thank you. What is the nickname for Tasmania? Come on, Blake. Uh, come on. Tasmania is such a cool name. Why would you nickname it? I'm going to say Tasmania. There's Tassie. No... Uh, there it is. No, incorrect. Hey, wait. The, if it's not Tassie. It's the Apple Isle. Oh, that's not a nickname. That's what my 
my trivia. Well, that's said. that. I, I'm I'm calling that because <laughs> I should know what the nickname is. It's hard yeah, when it's, your expert the, is who is on the I apple. The apple is like what you put on the license plate. Mm-hmm. It's a description, but it's not a nickname. Like you, like my name is Timothy. My nickname would be Tim, right? Or shortened. Yeah. Let's just throw it out. Let's throw it out. He's he's right. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm saying Tazzy. Gosh, fine. Why, why don't we Google it? Google that. <laughs> he's right. <laughs> we'll put it in the show notes. Tim is right. No, we won't. Tim is okay. ready to throw it out. True or false? The Tasmanian devil is a real animal. True. Oh, absolutely true. Well, Blake got it first. I've seen. I've seen. Oh, I didn't realize it was a race. Yeah, that's what I said at the beginning. First person. Uh, to say, I'm not going to know the, the answers, so my only advantage is speed. Okay. I've se- I, I've seen many of them. Like it's a lot of roadkill. Mm. <laughs> oh, so that's Seriously. the American armadillo, is what I'm hearing. You, yeah, you don't want to. You don't want to. We would say pat. You would say pet. You don't want to pet a Tasmanian devil because it'll rip your hand off. Ooh. Oh, dang. Okay, true or false? Tasmania has more miles of coastline than the rest of Australia. False. Tim yeah, got it. I, I, dang it. Now that I know the rules, I would have gotten the other one too. <laughs> I'll give you that point. Okay. True or false? Tasmania is closer to the equator than Rome. True. False. True. Oh. What are we at now? 3-3? Three, three? Is that 3-3? Three, three? No, he's, no got like, not. I'm still he's got like four or five. Dang okay, it. final one. Which one of these is not a name of a real place in Tasmania? Eggs and Bacon Bay, Milkshake Hills, Finger Hole, Lovely Bottom, or Granny's Gut? <laughs> Finger Milk Hole. Milkshake Hill. What'd you say, Tim? Milkshake Hill. I'm going to say Finger nope. Hole. <laughs> Finger Hole is correct. It's actually called... Oh. <laughs> it's the actual place called Stink Hole. <laughs> I, I could totally imagine Finger Hole. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> There's so many things to say I that I can't imagine Milkshake Hill. I can, you need to send me this list and I need to check this out sometime. Well, I can totally imagine. But <laughs> Tim still won, so you have to spin the wheel of doom, Blake. Oh, goodness. This should just be called Blake's what Wheel. Is this? What is this goodness? <laughs> I don't know. Here we go. What does that say, Toby? That says you have to wear underwear. <laughs> nope, not doing that. That is a scam. It says you have to wear underwear? Yes. We're going to do this, huh? Yep. You know what? Underwear is a scam. I found that out in the pandemic, and I never went back. <laughs> never went back. Oh, like You're asking for trouble here, Toby. You're asking I, for trouble. I think you may have found your first person that is unhirable. Wow. Ta-da. Like, I suggest you pray about that. <laughs> and, yeah. consult, and consult some people that are close to you that, you that will tell you the truth. Yeah. You know, I've I've been on this podcast for too long to get a job anywhere else because everyone knows all the dumb stuff now. He's wearing pants, right? He is. Uh, you can't confirm that though Thank from your Lord. angle, so I guess we'll never know. Mm. Um, talking about things that are essential, though, um, Tim, could you give us a tech takeaway for the audience for uh, something that would make their their ministry better, whether it's philosophical, emotional, relational, whatever it may be? Yeah. Well, it won't be gear related because I was the kind of leader that would let people lead. And when I was in worship arts ministry, I had great tech people that that knew a lot about things that I didn't know about. I based my career on knowing my weaknesses and surrounding myself with people that are strong in those areas. So it won't be about gear. It'll be two things. Well, the first thing is the one you know. I'm just going to give you that for free. I'm sure it's spoken about lots. And the job is not actually about gear. It's about people. You probably you probably talk about that all the time. But the, my tip would be to tech leaders, erase the word no from your vocabulary. 
erase the word no. The answers to any challenge are yes. And let me think about that. Because I think that it, in my observations, working with uh, creative teams and production teams is sometimes you'll get labeled as the no police. Can't do that. Not possible. No. And you can say no without saying no and not get labeled the wrong way because I think it's an unfair label. So I would have in your vocabulary, yes, and let me think about that mm. and come back. And if it's a no, we've looked into it. I don't think we're going to be able to do that. That would be my tip for today. Yeah, that's really good. We've we've heard a, a couple versions in that arena of like, try something out or don't. What was it? Todd said, uh, "Don't be afraid to suck at something new." So give it a go. Or we've also heard like, "Yes, I could do that with this budget," or "Yes, I could do that with extra people." Like all the help, like kind of showing what is the actual cost of the request rather than just, "Am I a genie in a bottle that can make it happen or not?" So the volume's too loud. Turn that down. You don't have to say no. You can say. Let me look into that. Of mm. course, you know that person's gonna whatever. But but still, <laughs> but still, erase no. No's not helpful. I guess that's nice too, because that requires them to follow up. So I highly doubt the person who shouts that on their way past the tech booth is coming back to follow up. Let me share let, let me let me share a little thing. I was at a basketball game last night for my uh, for for my older son. He plays varsity high school basketball. We were in a gym that was packed. It was a rival cross town game, cross city game. And the noise in there was crazy loud. And I just happened to be seated to an older couple that used to go to our church but left because I think the worship was too loud. So I leaned over at one stage and I said, man, it's loud in here. A lot louder than the worship at church, right? <laughs> they said that back to you? No, he no said, I said oh, that. It nice. gave me great joy. <laughs> and they were loving it. People, are, people can be inconsistent. Mm, yep. Tech directors are throwing their fists in the air up everywhere across America. Well, uh, Tim, if uh, someone wants to reach out to you, um, I mean, most of the time plugs on here are like, you know, does someone want to connect? You literally could connect them to a job. I mean, how should they how should they reach out to you and Slingshot? Hit our website, slingshotgroup.org, and there's a form you can fill out that'll put you straight through to us and we'll take good care of you. Sweet. I'm going to go fill that out right now. <laughs> All right, <laughs> and it doesn't have to just be looking for a job. It can be looking for a coach. We love, love, love coming alongside uh, leaders, teams, churches, and helping them love their work, find work joy, which doesn't mean work without challenge, and move forward in a healthy way. That's great, man. All right. Well, uh, thanks for coming on. We really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Thanks for hanging out with us. We hope to see you back next week for more absurd stories, tech takeaways, and overall buffoonery here at the Church Gear Studios. So uh, Tim's tech takeaway of remove the word no from your vocabulary. So Blake, can can we get the Queen of England on as a guest for our podcast? Yeah, I actually know uh, necromancy and I can bring her bright straight back. Uh, it'll, be, it'll be easy. Perfect. What the heck was that, Toby? All right, I'm going to... Uh, I want to be knighted like Tim's grandfather. That's you know she is. died. <laughs> That's what necromancy is. I bring him back to life. Well, <laughs> you know what I, we also do? <laughs> yeah, if you can't give me the Queen of England, what what can you give me, Blake? <laughs> I can give you a lot, but for right now, I'm going to give you the code podcast for 11% off at churchgear.com. So when your pastor says, can you buy some gear, you won't have to say no.
Okay, Blake, I've been working on some jingles for our new website launch. So I've got churchy, churchy, church, church gear. Toby, what have I told you about singing on the podcast? It doesn't work. But you know what is working? Our new website. You can actually get it to load on your phone. You can actually buy a new piece of gear without your phone bursting into flames. Well, what if I spelled it out like C-H-U-R-C-G-E-R? Toby, Toby, stop. That is not working. But you know what is working? The search bar on our website. You can actually search speakers and speakers will appear. No joke, that didn't always work. Okay, what if I just did something like go to churchgear.com? Uh, you know what? That one works.